Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Live Richer podcast. Today, we have NFL starting linebacker Brandon Copeland, who is also a university professor. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm great, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm super excited to have you here. In fact, I listened to your TEDx talk, and you spoke about your grandpa, and it really stood out to me, and I wanted you to see if you could possibly share with our listeners how your grandpa used to drive you to school yeah and what you learned from him because i thought that was a great thing yeah no well one thank you um one thank you for having me i like i said it's great to be here and i appreciate you and then obviously you bringing up my 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 main man as he would call me right like uh my hero so you know i love that that question so my grandfather uh from mississippi long story short is his childhood and his trajectory in life was like a movie and you know for those who haven't seen the ted talk he his dad passed away before he was born his mom was struck by lightning in front of him when he was five years old he got sent to live with his aunt and his uncle his uncle was by marriage his uncle would do weird abusive stuff like make him eat rats type of thing and so as 13 years old this um young black boy in the middle of mississippi decided to run away in the middle of the 50s and long story short, somehow or another, this man still had A's and B's in high school, graduated from college, Jackson State University, and went to the NFL, played 11 years in the league, won a Super Bowl, and, and changed our family's lives forever. And what he would do is he would drive me to school, and long story short, every once in a while there'd be traffic on that route, and if we decided to stay on that same route, he would always say, well, one, we'd be late to school. Um, but two, one of the things he would do would look at me and be like, listen, Cope, just always know it's a poor rat that only has one hole. And, you know, kind of look at him, you know, as a little grandkid, like, you know, what you mean? The first time he said it, but he's, you know, he's one of the granddads who repeated the same joke over and over and over again for effect, I guess. But it, it worked with, with me and I got the message just, you know, hey, I said it's a poor rat that only has one hole. And he would get out of that lane and he just choo, 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 swerve through traffic and go to a totally different route and get us to school. And every single time, every single time we'd be on time, right? Sometimes we might walk in a minute before school, the, the school bell rings, but we'd be on time and, and reflecting on his life. He passed in January of 2019, reflecting on his life as I had to prepare the speech for his funeral. You know, I thought about the lessons that he taught me and what he was teaching me in that time without saying it, saying it in his own way, I guess, was listen, the the whole is the destination that's the goal that's the super bowl that's the championship that's the lifestyle that's whatever you're trying to create for yourself and if you only have one way to get it or if when that one pathway is blocked which it will inevitably be you're a poor rat if you only have one hole and one way to get there right and so for me I've kind of extrapolated that into my life because again he went through so many obstacles and still found a way to reach his dream I really have no excuse but to go out and, and capture 
uh, my dreams, so to speak. So, yeah, that that's the moral of the story. It's a poor rat that only has one hole. We got to find a way to reach our destinations. And the vehicle that we're in is just the the way we do it. Right. The route we take. That's just the vehicle that we're in, so to speak, in, in that TED Talk story. Yeah, because I think when I look at your own life, here you are. You you're not your typical NFL player, right? Linebacker. UBS Bank, you went and interned there. You took a time where you were on Wall Street, right? On the off season. You do, you're a real estate expert. <laughs> you, what, you and your wife, you have how many? Do you have two real estate companies? And you even have a Netflix show where you're out there doing real estate. I mean, and then you're a university professor yeah. teaching financial literacy. I mean, you're doing so many different things and helping so many people. And I just wanted to know where that came from. What made you want to go out there and do something different than your typical professional athlete does? Yeah, that's another great question. I think so there's multiple things in my life that have kind of made me the person that I am. I think that I was one of those people that was born with just a different type of perspective on the world. Like, you know, I was that guy that was in eighth grade, but thoughts were of an older person as if I've lived here before. And I, I say that reference specifically because there's a big Sean song, Bigger Than Me, where he talks literally about that. And so long story long, I guess. One, my my grandmother passed away when I was in eighth grade, like, you know, which was a blessing when you think about it because most people don't even get their grandparents that long, right? But at the time, I remembered she was in the hospital for a while. She was battling with diabetes and I didn't go see her. My school was literally five minutes away from the hospital, but my house was 50 minutes away from the, the hospital. And so by the time my mom picked me up from practice in the spring, it was track. It was all these different things. I'm like, Ma, I'll just go see her tomorrow. Ma, I'll just go see her tomorrow. And then unfortunately, my grandmother passed away in that hospital and I didn't get a chance to see her. And I remember, you know, one, dealing with that emotionally, uh, but two, just thinking like how foolish I was to, you know, not make time to do something that I really wish I could get, do at this point. Right. And I really wish I could have a conversation, really wish I could call her. And even as an eighth grader, you know, for me, it was just like, how foolish could you be all the times you didn't go to her house to stay tonight because you rather hang out with some friends who you don't even talk to anymore. Right. And so literally as an eighth grade kid, that just rock my entire world. And at that point in time, I was like, I will not have any more regrets in this life. So propelling my life forward with that, I always loved football. I knew it was dope, but honestly, I also knew it was a means to an end. You know, I, I understand. I've been blessed to understand that when I'm done playing ball, I don't want my life to be over. I don't want the reason that I woke up and the sparkle and, you know, the purpose, I guess, is the better, better way to phrase it. You know, I, I truly feel blessed that, you know, since fourth grade, I wasn't always thinking about the NFL, but I've always worked extremely hard for football. And that purpose of that, something that was driving me, I was afraid for it to be gone post-football. And so anything that I see or anything that I do and I want to do, I don't. I don't second guess it, right? Like I'll vet it with other people, other advisors. Um, but like when people look at certain things and they're like, yo, like that's too hard, right? I had a call with somebody recently and they were like, ah, you probably don't want to do that. That's a little, little hard. I'm like, that's nothing to me. I don't, <laughs> what are we, what am I here for? I'm not here to just try to do the easiest thing in the world, right? I don't want it to be 
I'm not saying I'm looking for the hardest life possible either, right? I'm not looking for resistance at every step, but I'm not afraid of a challenge. If there's something I want to do, I'm going to go try to realize it. And so that's just shaped my entire lifestyle since then. Why finance? I mean, why investing and why real estate? We have a nonprofit, Beyond the Basics, Inc. And finance for me is really just a give back. Honestly, it's it's I'm learning all these things and people just want to talk to me because I play in the NFL. Right. Uh, or I'm on Netflix or I, whatever. Right. Talk mm-hmm. to my mom about this stuff. Talk to my brother about this stuff. Last week, we did a, a workshop for a publicly traded company. I won't say that, that company's name, but during that workshop, uh, I had my co-host and I, uh, my co-host from my podcast, Money Music Culture, and, and I, we spoke. And within an hour, we had one young lady who asked us a question about, hey, basically, should I switch my 401k to a different account because I'm looking at it right now and it's not earning any interest? This is a virtual webinar, by the way. I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to tell you to switch the account. I need to know what account that is because nine times out of 10, if you have an account, you probably can invest it there because she didn't think she could invest it there. Long story short, it ends up being, I won't even say the name of the, the account or whatever, but it ends up being in a money market account. This woman, she finds out during our call that her money has been sitting in a money market account for 15 years and she's missed out on the potential growth and earnings and earning potential of that money for the last 15 years. And she said, hey, I feel she commented, you know, it was virtual, it was webinar. They couldn't speak to us. They could text and put in a Q&A. Hey, I feel slightly embarrassed that I've just had this money sitting here doing nothing. And I'm, you know, wow. Right. We uncovered that within 35 minutes within to a one hour webinar. Right. Like this is something that she can't get back for the next 15 years of her life. So for me, it's very, really simple what I'm doing. I'm just going and I'm going for my goals and I'm just sharing as I go and as I grow is what I tell people. So when we're building, we just had a bank uh, uh, approve uh, our 12 unit building uh, in Newark, New Jersey. I'm excited about it. But when I see this and figure this out, I want to make sure that a younger version of me understands the economics and how it works and all of those types of things. So that now that person has the ability to fish for themselves. As an athlete, you know, there are so many people who want to come and, you know, they, they talk about the horror stories. I've been extremely blessed. Yeah, I've had some horror stories, but nothing too crazy. Um, knock on wood, you know, you never know what that the next call may be. Uh, but for me, instead of just always handing people money, I always wanted to be able to give you something, a tool where you can make your own money and you're not dependent on me. And so for me, the reason why, I'm sorry, I'm extremely long with the person, but the reason why finance is so important to me is because it's giving people the chance to create the lives that they want. And so the, the more access we can drive there, the more partnerships we can create. I'm the dean of Moneyline University now, right? Like I am trying to make sure that money and money education tips are in everyone's pocket so that you have no excuse. And you can't say, oh, man, if somebody would have only told me, well, we we put it on on the platform for you. Why do you think there's such a lack of financial literacy in this country? And there's actually a gap, too. Why? I mean, what can we do to change that? Yeah. 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 One, I think we can have the conversation. 
right? Like just have money conversations more often, make it a conversational topic as opposed to a topic that everybody's afraid to talk about. Um, and I think that that's changing, right? We see us having this about live richer podcast, right? Like I think the, the barrier to information exchange is lower than it's ever been in the past. And so now people can tune in here and learn what to be excited about and things, yeah. things of that nature. Right. So, you know, I do think we're in a great time or great potential time. Um, I mean, the reason why there's, you know, lack of education around it is, for, I mean, so many different reasons, but you know, some of the ones that I'll call out, uh, will be one, I think it part of it is systemic, right? Part of it is also, I mean, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but you know, we, we got to keep the workforce happy to a certain extent and, and happy with what they are given, you know? And, and one of the things I tell people, you know, I always shocks my students, not shocks my students, is like most of us, we literally go to school. If you go to a, a classroom, high school kids, college students, anybody really, and say, hey, like, you know, when you started going to school, why'd you go to school? Well, I was here to, you know, get good grades. Why do you want good grades? Oh, so I can go to a good college. Oh, okay, why'd you go to go to a good college? Oh, so I can get a good job and have a career and earn money and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, so you've been working your entire life for money, but no one has ever taught you how to use your money, right? They've only taught you how to work to make more money, right? And so for me, and again, I'm, I'm you know, I'm learning and I'm evolving as I go and as I grow, as I said before. But for me, my goal is to just give people as, as many tools and as much information as possible so that they can make the best decisions for themselves and, them, and their families. Um, and that's not going to change overnight, but trying to provide tools on a, on a scalable platform or, or on a scalable basis um, hopefully it gives us a chance. Hopefully it just gives us a chance to even the playing field and just democratize the access to information. You're a university professor and you're teaching a lot of young people the basic financial literacy. By doing that, what do you feel is probably the most important thing that you teach them? Is it retirement? Is it fixing wow. their credit? I mean, if yeah. you could only teach person one thing, what would that be? Even maybe some of your athletes that you play with. I mean, what do you think is that is there one thing or maybe there's more? Yeah. I mean, if I had to teach one thing, it would have nothing to do with money. It would be more about um, and we do this in our class. It would be more about self-esteem. Um, that's probably one of the less highlighted things about our class is like we literally we do so many different exercises and experiences so that by the end of the course, the end of the semester, you are so comfortable with your scars and your weaknesses and you know your strengths and you know how to tell your story. You know how to elevate or pitch yourself. And you know how to spend something that was a weakness, like me being too lazy to go see my grandma, you know how to develop that into one of your biggest strengths, right? Because that'll never, ever happen again, you know? And so that to me, outside of the money is the most important thing, because literally when I tell you, we can see our students go from not wanting to share certain things to now being so comfortable in it and being vulnerable, but also having vulnerability with pride. And I'm, I'm genuinely excited for the potential that they have on, on this planet because, yeah, we, we really do a lot of work on the, on the soul and it's not religious or anything like that, but we do a lot of work on the spirit of, you know, I am who I am. I'm Brandon Copeland. I messed up here, but guess what? Look at me. I'm still standing. 
and look what I'm going to do next. And I want to own this dream and own this passion. Outside of that, budgeting, budgeting 101. Um, the biggest financial tool is, I think, is about 65% of Americans don't even know what, how much money they spent last month. Um, I've had conversations with doctors who are making $1.2 million a year and they're close to retirement age and they have not saved a penny. They are, they can't retire. Right. So really, I think that's one of the foundational pieces because it's, uh, you know, I'm not going, the cliche is, is it's not what you make, it's what you spend, all of those things. But a lot of people, we start going on this financial journey. We haven't even gotten to know ourselves yet. You know, you always see a lot of people find self-worth through spending money, right? By wearing the name brands and doing a lot of yeah. different things like that. Especially see with a lot of and people see professional athletes throwing their money around, right? And they things like that. And then they feel like they yeah. got to be doing that too. But I read somewhere that you actually were saving, I don't know if you're still doing this, 90% of your income at one point. At, I mean, how yeah. are you able to do that? <laughs> and I, I mean, is that true? I mean... What made you become such a huge saver and not care about those things? I guess, first of all, self-esteem, right? You didn't feel like you needed that, but how yeah. did that come about? One, I understood how quickly the platform could be taken away. So I never treat anything as promised until, you know, I, yeah, uh, I've had my own life experiences where I just didn't trust that things would be here for a long period of time. Like playing 10 years, in my mind, yes, I would have loved to envision it. First three years, I mean, I was out of the league after year year one with two weeks, <laughs> you know, and they said, hey, you weren't good enough. You're not going to make it and all that stuff. Right. But I stuck to it and, and we were able to bounce back and bounce back stronger than ever. But, you know, having that ripped away from you, my biggest thing was how do I make money and then take that money and put it into things that make me money? How do I t make money and take that and put it in things that make me money? make money doing something that I know I'm not going to be able to do for the rest of my life. I would love to, but I know I'm not going to be able to do it for the rest of my life, but then take it and put it into other things that make me money. So the more of that that I can save after I make it, the more I have the ability to put it into things that actually I'm interested in outside of football. And so that's literally where I was putting all of my money. I would keep money to live off of. I store up a little bit to, to, um, you know, for, for next year in case I didn't play, right? Um, in case the investments did not pan out. But ultimately, and I also, I mean, I was making an NFL salary, but, you know, I, I never looked at, like, I didn't have a book or like a percentage of like, oh, I'm spending this. I just knew these are my expenses. My expenses just happen to be extremely low. I'm happy. There's no re reason for me to just go ahead and let me buy something else just to buy something else. I'm really good with where I'm at. Let me go ahead and take this and put it into things that will make me money someday. So that was my philosophy. And uh, it just happened to be under 10%. So how do you know where to put those things? <laughs> put that money. I think a lot of people want to yeah. save, right? Brandon, they want to save. They yeah. want to do it. It all sounds great like when you're talking about it. But they just look at it like, hey, I don't know what to do. And then sometimes they trust people who aren't trustworthy to invest your money. So, I mean, what are hey. some tips you can give people when it comes to taking that money and investing it and knowing how to do it? What guidance would you give them? There's So one, there's a number of different investors. I think the first rule of thumb is don't feel like that, that whole fear of missing out. Get rid of that as quickly as you possibly can. That'll 
drive you to make some pretty bad decisions. Like everybody will hit you with the, oh, this is the next greatest thing, the next biggest investment, next next Facebook. There'll be another one. At some point and sometime there'll be another one. And so when you when you have that hype and that phrase around certain things, it forces you to make impulse buys and impulse decisions and generally, or not generally, sometimes that those can be bad investments. So get rid of that. Develop a gut for investing, but I think most people will probably agree, and I'm not a financial advisor. Let me go ahead and put that disclaimer on here, but sue somebody else. Don't sue me, right? <laughs> uh, but most people would tell you, for me, I would tell you start with stocks, right? The stock market. I tell people if you're trying to get invested, actually, let me back up. Let me go ahead and give you a little glimpse of class. Most people think they've never started investing before when the truth is we've all invested before. If you put your money in a checking account, a savings account, if you put your money under the mattress, all of them have different returns on your money and you're making the decision to put it in those because you might not necessarily know about putting it in the stocks, right? So if you put your money in a high yield savings account right now, you can get you about 3% return on your money. Now, that is an investment. However, most people don't look at that as investing. So for those people who are on the sidelines because they've never done it before or, oh, I, I don't know enough, right? You already are investing. Investing is an investment, is a decision of where to put your money. You just are intentionally investing in things that could get you a higher return, so to speak. So one, hopefully that makes you feel a little better. Two, the next thing I tell people, if you're going to start investing, probably most people are going to start with the stock market. Get a one, download all these apps onto your phone. If you want to turn on the free notifications, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, CNBC, Market Watch, but turn on the free notifications so you can start to see the language, what's moving the markets, then open up a free virtual trading account, free virtual trading game, preferably do it with the platform that you will most likely end up doing business with. So that you can get used to seeing how money moves, seeing how the stocks move, right? And then finally, you got to, you're going to have to dive in at some point. And, and so I want to make sure that people understand, at, uh, again, at some point, you got to get off the sidelines and get into the game. You don't have to get, dive in with your, your half of your life savings, right? You can start with a shoot. You can start with $20 today, $5, right? But, you know, just get invested because the moment you start putting your money in, you're going to start paying attention a little bit more. And um, there are a number of different tools out there you know, that you can, you can use to try to learn more, um, professionals, podcasts, et cetera. But that, that's the first place I'd tell you to start. If you're going to get into other investments, the biggest thing that I would say, and I've been blessed, find you a mentor, find you somebody who was already in it and they're already doing it well. Right. So anytime I start a new investment, I go align myself with somebody I see and I can see their projects like real estate, for example, I remember taking drives with two people, one in Baltimore, one in a couple in Baltimore, a couple and one person in Detroit. And we drove around to their different projects. We saw the different, hey, we just bought this project. There's nothing done to it. This one's in the middle of completion. This is a big over a half a million dollar home. Hey, this is next what we're doing. But I go shadow mentors. Then I try to co-invest with them. So now I'm learning from you. I am putting skin in the game with you. And I know you're going to hopefully make this project another successful one because you have a strong track record. And then from there, I'm learning as much as I possibly can until I feel strong enough that I can take it over and do it myself. 
And that's been my process and my strategy with everything, with it, whether it's real estate, venture capital, anything. It's always been somebody that's introduced me to it. And then I learn from them for as long as I can and or as long as they'll have me, as long as I can continue to add value to them. And then when I'm ready to jump a- and do it on my own, then I, I take that leap of faith. Um, but, you know, some people you can just call invest your whole life. You don't have to take a leap of faith and go on your own. So I, I, I would say definitely take the time to do your due diligence, use mentors and advisors and guidance and and align yourself with them. You don't have to do these things by yourself. And I think that that's one of the biggest hurdles and barriers to getting invested as well, too, is you feel like you got to own everything 100 percent when, you know, the NFL is not owned by one person. It's owned by 32 team owners, right? And their families and multiple owners under that, right? So um, I think that that's the way we got to think about it. A lot of times we think I have to own it all 100% or I can't call it mine. Most of the, not most, all of the major things that you see in this world are done through joint venture. So do the same thing with your money. You know, you're around a lot of different people that have, you know, especially athletes and things. What, what do you think is maybe some of the, biggest mistakes you've seen people make with their money and thinking that the next check is promised and this is not just athletes but just in general right thinking that the next check is promised that's one right just already spending money that you don't even have yet you haven't earned it they told you the offer was good or the deal was good and the half the money is already gone me i always have this rule i don't think about money until it hits my bank account if, if i can't see it in my bank account i'm not spending it right <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest mistakes. I think the other thing is, you know, lifestyle creep. Uh, I tell a lot of college athletes this all the time, be, you know, speaking at different uh, training programs, combine training programs. I tell them you should, one, do a budget for who you are today and who you are as a college athlete. And then do one as soon as you get drafted as well, too, or go undrafted, whatever that may be. What is different between you today versus when you were drafted? Besides, you just signed a huge check. Like, so when I get drafted, do I need two to three cars? Do I need a bunch of different watches, jewelry, X, Y, Z, right? What do you need? I think that's the biggest thing is like, if you can find alignment on what you actually like, what you actually want, and then you can align your purchase decisions to them, a lot of times you'll be okay. Right. For most people, I think you'll be okay. But a lot of us can fall astray when we're we're marketing. We're putting on this image that you expect me to look like because everybody's told me when I was in the NFL, I would look like this and I'd have this type of car and I'd be on red carpets every day. And when everybody went out to eat with me, I'd pay for everything. Right. And, And so when you can find more alignment with what you actually want to do versus which you are supposed to do or what you think people expect you to do, then I think right there alone, you you can save yourself a lot of headache and problem. I think you're 100% correct on that. And I think it's it's hard sometimes to do, though. You know what I mean? It's, it sounds easy, but I think yeah. we feel that pressure yeah, I yeah. Think more than ever to have those things and to live up to specific hype, you know, that we're supposed to. Like somehow yeah. people think if you have the three you cars, think? somehow you're more successful than the guy that only has one, right? That somehow you're a better person if you have Louis Vuitton luggage and the Louis Vuitton bags and you got all this stuff. 
compared to yeah. the person who doesn't. When in reality, like you said, you're talking to doctors who make all this money, but they have no money saved. And you could have somebody guy over there that's maybe making not half as much as him or less. And he's worth actually more because he has more money in the bank, right? <laughs> you wouldn't even know it by how you look at them yeah. superficially yeah. or physically. So we just have to realize yeah. that those things don't matter. And I think that's why self-esteem is so big, like you said. Yeah, you're 100% right. I think that's why we, we try to arm our, our students with, like you said, that self-esteem practice and coaching. But I've been extremely blessed. And in high school, we had this legendary football program called Gilman. We weren't really that legendary, but our coaches were legendary. And our coaches, they have a whole book done on them. They had an HBO documentary done on them. And they really, the, the mantra for us as, as student athletes or as the football team was building men for others. So a lot of the things we did were trying, like our coach was instilling in us service, service, service. Like if, if there was somebody eating alone in the cafeteria, we had to go sit with them and sit down with them and, or welcome them into the conversation, right? We had to be change makers in the school or we'd be on the line running, right? Like he, he wasn't Whoa. playing about that. And it, it, one of the things he did was our senior year, we would have to write this thing called our epitaphs. So it was our senior year before the rival game was last game of the season. And again, we all remember high school, right? You sit yeah. with some of the biggest jokes in the world, right? Like some of the best times in your life and some of the best friends, but some of the other people be like, wow, I don't know how this person is going to survive in, in a few days, right? And every senior had to get up and read their epitaph in front of the entire team. What you want read about you at your funeral. And when you hear the majority, I mean, really, I would say 100%, but I don't want to speak in 100% facts. So I'll say 99.9%. No one was talking about the car that they drove, what their spouse or significant other looked like, how much money they had in their bank account when they died, right? Most people were talking about the impact that they made and how many people were willing to take the time out of their day to show up to their funeral, right? And so for me, I had that experience as, as a senior. And you got kids in high school, like tearing up a little bit, thinking about like, wow, what does this actually look like? Like what really matters to me? And so for anybody out there that is battling with it, and it is hard, it is, again, I'm in a locker room with people doing with some really thing, really nice things that I can afford, right? Sometimes I want, but when you put life into perspective for yourself really quickly, it makes it a lot easier to say, nah, that's not really what I'm here working for, right? I'm not really working for that. I was really working for, for this. And again, I'm not, I also want to make it clear, Jamie, it's not, it is not that I am saying don't go buy the bags or the chains or the whatever, right? Like if that's what makes you tick, go do it, right? Like I want to help you be able to afford it and be able to afford it responsibly. So anything I can do to help you do that through our classes, our courses, whatever, I'm going to do that. But, but I, I just want to make that clear that it's not us the, the reason why we've had success is because it's not us trying to tell you how to live. It's trying to just give you the tools necessary to make the best decision possible for you and your family at that given time and given moment. And you're doing a great job with it as being like, not only are you doing the university professor and going and helping all these university kids, you also have the, you're the dean of the Money Lion University. And can you maybe want to talk a little bit about that just so people can know how to go and reach it and know what you guys are doing there? Yeah. So Dean of Moneyline University. So what we've created, one, 
I'll go download the Moneyline app or go to Moneyline.com. But what we're doing there is we're building out that that ecosystem so that now you have a place to go and learn about these money decisions before you're faced with them. When I bought our first house, my wife and I, we bought our first house. She was my girlfriend at the time. And we were playing football with the Detroit Lions. I was away from the closing table. She bought the house. We bought the house in New Jersey. So that day, I remember her calling me. They sent me the email with the closing disclosures. And Jamie, I'm not sure if you you own a home or not, but ultimately, if you've ever seen those closing disclosure documents, you can get nervous really, really quickly. I did. That entire, she, my, my wife basically prompted me to open up the uh, documents and just say, hey, babe, does everything look cool? Does everything look right? I'm looking at 106 pages. I'm like, I have no idea if this thing looks right or not. I've <laughs> never seen these numbers, this document before in my life. What is going on here, right? Yeah. And the saddest thing in the world, I'm like, I've been to some really good schools. Why am I, why am I facing, this is the most important decision in my life right now. I am literally signing my name over for 30 years. And I really can't tell you that I did that with confidence. I just kind of had to nod my head and think, you know, hopefully everybody in the room who's just incentivized to see the transaction go through, hopefully they steered me in the right direction. So for me, that just felt off. That just felt wrong. And so that's what we're doing with Moneyline University is we're creating that place and that space for people to go learn about this stuff so they don't have to walk away from the closing table like me with anxiety of like, well, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life, right? Like my wife and I, we didn't post any pictures with us holding keys saying homeowners that day. I was more anxious in my room like, man, did I just, what did I just do? Like, I've never seen this before in my life. And so I will say this as well too. Check your closing disclosures. As an investor now, I've caught thousands of dollars in incorrect charges and fees on my closing disclosure. I've walked away from a deal or two for literally one deal tried to charge me over seven thousand dollars more than i should have been charged another sometimes i've caught like thirteen hundred six hundred two hundred forty eight dollars right like all of these things add up but if you don't know what you're looking for you don't know the line items then you can get got really really fast so um again we just wanted to create the space where you could come learn about these things and learn about them in a really down-to-earth professor cope type of way are you doing any other type of partnerships right now? I mean, you, you're doing so many things. Do you have anything else in the works, Brandon? Yeah, well, we're, I mean, listen, we're, we're here to talk money line, but we're working on some, some pretty cool things as, as always. And I, I know it's uh, our, our team with money line is extremely excited about it as well, too. But for right now, I'm going to keep those things under tuck and I'm going to bring them back to you when, when, we, uh, when we bring them to life. So hopefully in the next few months, uh, we'll, we'll do our biggest magic trick yet. Oh, I can't wait. You guys are doing a ton. And <laughs> it amazes me how much you've done to just bring awareness to financial literacy. I mean, you're doing a great job. You're a great example for many young men out there to what they should aspire to be. And the, hey, it's cool to talk about money. And it doesn't matter where you come from or what <laughs> color of skin you might have. Hey, you can be good with money. You can be an investment banker. You can yeah. be working on Wall Street. I think a lot of people think that you have to come from a specific family or have a specific way of life to go into that field. 
And that's not true. You've proven I'm completely wrong. You hear you are in NFL, you play, you're a linebacker even, right? It's not like you're the quarterback. I'm, not, I'm just saying, right? right. You know, right. people think linebackers, they always I think wish. the linebackers. I'm just, just saying, you know, but uh, they don't <laughs> yeah. always consider, oh, the linebacker, she's not the smartest not one on the team. But you're just being honest how people view it sometimes. <laughs> but um, yeah. you can be anything you want to be. And you can be more than just one thing. Like your grandpa said, you know, you got to, the rat does only does it has more than one hole and that you got to go, you need to have a lot of different directions to get where you want to be in life. You can't just have one. And that's what I really loved about that talk and about your life and his life is that it's inspiring and that you, like you said, you can go a lot of different directions to get where you need to be. And even when you make mistakes, take those mistakes and make them a strength. One of the last questions I ask everybody that comes on the show is, what does live richer mean to you? And I'd love to hear, Brandon, what live richer means to you. Yeah, for me, um, I'm actually in that phase right now where I'm trying to figure out what is, you know, as uh, Bob Marley always said, you know, do you consider yourself rich? And he questioned him like, what's, what's riches? It's not money, right? So for me, living richer at this point is, really developing relationships better. Yes, that includes spending more time with my family, right? Like this morning I was able to wake both of my sons up and they think that as a choo-choo train. And I just literally, we say choo-choo and go down the steps and, you know, getting them dressed and all of those things. These are some, they sound like really, really simple things, but when you're playing ball, like you don't have the time for these simple things, right? So you got to catch up and make up for that stuff in the off season at times. Um, being able to sit down and and really talk to people, have conversations, and just relax. Not feel like there's a clock over my head of I got to go, I got to go, I got to go to practice, I got to go to training, I got to go to this, and I'm I'm too busy for this right now. So for me, my goal is to live richer in the sense of really owning my time. And not feeling like I'm just a, uh, you know, walking full calendar <laughs> anymore, but really being able to be present in all the conversations and the rooms that I that I'm in. And I feel like if you do that, if you maximize where your feet are, then I I'm hoping I don't know it. I'll have a crystal ball, but I'm hoping then the rest of the things will take care of themselves. Sometimes that'll be maximizing it. A, a venture capital conversation. Sometimes that'll be maximizing a, a real estate conversation. Sometimes that'll just be wifey and I really sitting down having date night and removing the phone from the equation. And that's something that I will, I, I, I hope I will be a lot better at and hopefully I can live richer uh, in that way from here on out. I think being present where you're at is a huge way to live a richer life. I personally was just thinking about that last night when I was with my child and I was thinking you know this moment will last he's only he just turned six and I was like he's not gonna be six forever I need to put my phone away I need not look on the computer and I need to be here because this moment's just a moment and it's gonna be gone and I think that's 100% true is being present could truly help us to live a richer life Brandon I want to thank you again for coming on I want to tell everyone that Thank you for listening and to check out Brandon and check out Money Lion and to always remember to live richer. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at liveRicherPod at GoBankingRates.com.